Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are in a, uh, a brief break from Mark, and we are studying uh, our vision, our values as a community. We've put together these values. We're calling it our DNA. We put together these values. These aren't things that Chris came up with on his own. These are things that we as a church read in the scriptures and believe that God has a desire for us as a church in Orange County. So the first one was on truth. We believe that God has a high authority for his Bible and we desire to open it and read it and study it daily. The second one was on gospel. Uh, we believe that the centrality of the gospel of everything that we do is important. It's paramount to us. We cannot lose sight of the fact that Jesus Christ has died to save us. And this morning, I get to speak on community. Our vision statement goes like this. I'm going to read it uh, straight from the website. I think we have it up here. We are called into authentic community. Jesus not only saves us as individuals, he saves us into a new community of grace. We will fight the impulse for secluded individualism in favor of the authentic community Jesus calls us to. And we have uh, verse references that, that Chris used this morning, we're going to be spending most of our time in Hebrews 10, 24, as Kelsey read this morning, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's what I want to do. I want to start by telling you guys a parable that I, I made up on my own, uh, and then we're going to leave that alone for a minute. We're going to revisit it later. So I want you guys to imagine a newlywed couple. This newlywed is, is home, they're in their first apartment, and uh, things are going fairly well, but the honeymoon phase is starting to end, and they get into a disagreement. It's a small disagreement, but it's somewhat meaningful. It does have some impact. Nothing major, but it has some impact. And so let's say, let's say that this disagreement is like a hairline fracture. It's nothing big. Over time, if you take care of it and nurture it, it just heals on, your, on its own. It's fine. But after the months go on and weeks continue, they continue to have these types of hairline fracture disagreements. And let's say that the husband um, every so often goes out with his guys to grab a beer uh, and they commiserate together on their marriages. Nothing too harmless, but they sit down and his buddies start talking about their wives and how much uh, they frustrate them at the home. And so he starts contributing to that conversation. And the wife is doing something similar. She goes out with her girlfriends every now and then. They have a drink and they are commiserating together about how difficult it is to be married to their husbands. And on and on they go in this marriage, right? Minor bone fractures, minor small hairline fractures happening. But the years go on. They, get married, they have kids. They buy a house. They're preparing for retirement. And these hairline fractures start to add up. It starts to make the bones of the marriage brittle. So let's, let's leave that image in the back of our mind for a little bit, and we're going to revisit it later. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on the second part of our verse right now, which says this, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. 
The first point this morning is that gospel community gathers. Each of us were created by God to be in community, to be together. This is the reason why when prisoners are acting poorly, they isolate them. Because we know that being isolated, being alone, it's bad for our souls. It's unhealthy for us to be alone. We are designed to be in community. And for most of human history, community is something that was easy to obtain. If you figure for most of anthropological history, being in community was super easy. Basically, most of the time you lived between here and Rancho Santa Margarita Lake. And in that small, if you don't know where Rancho Santa Margarita Lake is, it's like two blocks that way. In that small space for most of human history, that is where you worked. That's where you went grocery shopping. That's where you lived. That's where all of your ancestors and friends and family lived. That's where everybody in this room would live. Everybody, 90% of the people that you would know and 95% of the places that you would go were within walking distance. It was in a small town. So if you think about that, living in that type of environment, one, like praise God for never getting in your car again, but two, you would run into people way more often. You couldn't leave your house without seeing friends or family members on your way to work or to the grocery store. For that matter, you would go to the grocery store and buy things from family members and friends. You see, authentic connection was easy to, easy to obtain in this, in this environment. But we are in a new era over the last 100 years, especially in Orange County. Most of America, but especially in Orange County, we live very transient lives. The average person in Orange County drives 20 minutes to work. Just by a show of hands, who drives 20 minutes or more to work? That's more, okay, more, yeah. I got you beat though. <laughs> who drives 30 minutes or more? 45? 50? All right, you're good. You're good, put them down. My point is made. <laughs> we, we live disconnected lives. Now on top of that, social media and our phones also keep us relatively disconnected. And that's a weird thing because social media is poised as something that should keep us connected. And in some ways it does. It's nice. Like I have cousins in Mexico that I have not seen in years and I get to see them have kids and see their kids grow up. And I love that because I haven't been there since I've been like 13 or 14 years old. But in other ways, our social media accounts causes further disconnection. Like, have you, has this ever happened to you? You run into somebody at Target or something and you haven't seen them in years. And they're like, hey, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm doing really good. And they jump in. They're like, yeah, you got married. You've got three kids. You had a house in the canyon. Now you sold it. You're living in Rancho Mission Viejo and you guys planted a church. What's new? And you're like, I, you just covered it all. Like, I, I can't do any. You, you did a great job of covering everything that's happened in the last 10 years of my life. See, this, this, the problem with social media is it tends to make it so that we don't have to reach out as often as we used to. On top of that, many of us have been incredibly good at becoming social media storytellers. Uh, like we, we are really good at creating these personifications of ourselves. And I don't, don't make this mistake. I'm not saying that we do this out of vanity or deceit. It's just natural. Like we want to post the best part of our day. But our stories, our social media stories, are not the total makeup of who we are. And so what happens is it disconnects who we are from the people in our lives that want to know who we are. We are experiencing, I think, 
this tension of disconnection as a culture. I think many of us, I wonder if many of us often feel alone because of this. Like we have all the following, we have all the friends, we have all the likes, but yet we still often feel alone. And I also can't help but wonder if this is the reason why we gravitate towards shows like This Is Us and The Office and Parks and Rec and Friends. Like as dysfunctional as some of those communities are, we still, we look at them and, and a part of us just wants to be a part of something like that. And here's the thing, marketing and branding, the consumer part of the culture that we live in, they get this. Everybody knows and recognizes that we're in need for community. This is the reason why community and tribes are like the two buzzwords. All the brands are using them now. But the thing is, is these, these communities, they help us in some ways, but in other ways, they, they are a proper substitute to what God has for us, for gospel-centered community. Just like take my gym, for example. Like they try to promote that I'm a part of a community there. And I mean, I've got a gym membership, but the only thing I get out of my gym is this incredible body. <laughs> Kelly, you're supposed to say amen. <laughs> you're supposed to say amen. She begged me not to say that. She saw it in my notes. She's like, babe, don't, don't do that. <laughs> we, we want community. And uh, the only thing I think that will satisfy that need, that desire, is, is gospel-centered community. Now, there are some, you may have heard this before, there are some um, who, who love Jesus, who recognize their need for grace, um, but have a low value on being a part of a local church. They'd say things like, you know what, I, I have my faith, but at the end of the day, I just, I pray and I read my Bible and I do my thing over here. Um, and man, praise God for, for your faith. But the thing is, is that as you read the scriptures, it becomes abundantly clear that God did not just save you out of the muck and the mire. He, not, he did not just save you out of sin. He saved you out of that and into God's family. He desires deeply for you to grow spiritually, emotionally, and morally in a committed relationship with his church. Which brings us to our next point. But encourage one another and all the more as the day is drawing near. Gospel, community, disciples. That word encourage, that word encourage, the Greek is parakaleo. That's right. I know Greek. I don't actually know Greek. I've just got Google. Parakaleo, that word encourage is not the kind of encourage that we expect. The type of encourage I think we're used to is like, hey, you're doing good. Good job. I'm proud of you. And that's, it's good. Like words of affirmation is really good. I, I love words of affirmation in case you want to know what you want to do after the sermon. This type of encouragement, though, is a spurring somebody forward. It's, it's pressing them forward onto a goal. So imagine you're running a race, and you round that last quarter mile, and you're hurt, your knee's hurt, you've twisted it, and you're not doing very well. You don't think you can make it. And at that moment, you hear your friends and family in the stands, and they're telling you, you can do it. You're almost there. Keep going. And that energizes you to press forward and to complete the race. This is the type of encouragement that Hebrews is talking about. So the question is, what's, what's the goal? What are we supposed to be encouraging each other towards? The goal for us is Christ. 
The goal is growing as Christians, growing as human beings to be more and more like who God created us to be. Gospel-centered community, God's family is drawn together to help us do that. It spurs us forward. This is something, if you think about it, this is something that could only happen in committed relationships like being a part of the local church. I mean, my marriage, for example, is, is a great a great example. When I before I got married, like I thought I was a pretty selfless person. I thought I was a clean guy. I thought I had my stuff together and then I got married. And I realized that's hardly true. But the point is this, like having kids and having a wife helped show me the areas of my life where I, it was easy for me to suppress those. It was easy for me to hide those from other people. And God intends to use his church, his family, to do the same thing in all of our lives. His church is meant to grow us. It's not just a place for us to find more friends. This is the difference between what I said earlier, those self-help communities and gospel-centered communities. Because self-help communities, if you think about it, in a way they really, they just suppress the things that are wrong with us. And all of us know, like all of us know we are way too prideful. All of us know when we lie. All of us know when we just fall short of the people that we want to be, from the people who God wants us to be. But self-help communities help us hide that. Gospel communities help us percolate that up and then distill that, purify ourselves from those things. This is why it's paramount that we are a community that confesses to one another. Gospel, gospel community is full of people who humbly recognize that they are not perfect, that they need grace. It invites us to confess our sins to each other. And when we do that, we get to respond by pointing each other back to Jesus, back to the cross, back to his forgiveness and his grace and his love for us. We get to remind each other of the good news of God's finished work. Chris, uh, when Chris and Alyssa were headed into planning this church, we sort of decided, Kelly and I, Chris and Alyssa decided that once a month we would meet together. And um, this was just like, we'd have a meal and we'd hang out and we would just ask real questions. Like, how are things going? How are you guys? How are the kids? What are you stressed about? And these times, we haven't done it since I think November because the holidays were a little bit crazy, but these times have been an incredible blessing to us. One of the common questions that we ask each other is after after we Maybe we just confess in a moment, like here's moments, areas of weakness in my life right now. One of the questions that we would commonly ask each other is what is it about the gospel that you're not currently believing? Because here's the thing about the gospel is that it is, it's like a spectrum of color. And, and daily we are learning and forgetting elements of God's love for us. And so when you're in community with each other, when you're in authentic gospel-centered community, we get to remind each other of those areas of the gospel that we quickly forget. Bonhoeffer said it like this. When I go to my brother, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I, I just assume everybody knows, you know, Bonhoeffer, he's the guy outside serving donuts. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a pastor, a theologian, a spy. He's an all-around awesome dude. Uh, he, he lived during Nazi Germany and he said this, when I go to my brother to confess, I am going to God. He's using hyperbole there. But the point is this, we cannot experience the fullness of the love of God outside of God's family. 
we get to, we have the honor and privilege of reminding each other of grace, of the grace that we have received through Jesus. And then we get to celebrate the reconciliation with God that we have when we confess to each other and when we get to remind each other of God's promises, right? Because gospel community, when you confess, you don't condemn, you just point them back to Jesus. The odd thing is, is that the sin in our lives, the pain in our lives, and the suffering in our lives, oddly enough, it, it causes unnecessary shame and guilt. In a gospel community, it, it pushes that shame and guilt out. It reveals pain and hurt and suffering and sin, and then it brings that back into light of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And no superficial attempt at community can fill that need. So remember the parable of the couple earlier. Now imagine that same couple in God's family, in a community like this, so that instead of just commiserating with his buddies at work, this couple is embedded into a community of other couples who maybe are a little bit older than them and couples who are a little bit younger than them, a little bit more seasoned than them in their same phase of life and a little bit younger. And instead of just coming together and like the husband not talking about what he does wrong, but only talking about what the wife does wrong, and the wife not just talking about what he does wrong, but also talking about where she falls short, imagine them coming together into a community and those people just loving on them and encouraging them and supporting them and sharing their stories about how they overcome their struggles. Imagine that. Imagine that those hairline fractures, like we're always going to disagree and we're always going to have these issues, but imagine if those hairline fracture arguments just become a little bit less and less. Instead of increasing more and more, they became less and less over time. Instead of these two individuals fighting for their own kind of pride in their own way of doing life, instead they're gathering together for God's glory and they're being held accountable. They're being encouraged by a loving family that continues to point them to Jesus. How much different of a relationship would that look like? Our next point is this. Gospel community serves. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Each of us, each one of us are created uniquely for God's glory and our own good. Scripture talks all the time about us having our unique gifts and I think that these unique gifts, as I read the scriptures, what I see is that these unique gifts are meant to be used in two different ways. The first way is that they're meant to be used to serve the local body of the church. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. If you're preaching, if you're singing, if you're handling lights, if you're out there greeting, bringing the coffee, whatever it is that you're doing, when we serve the church, when we die to ourselves and serve the church, it's good for our own selves and it's good for the community around us. But the other thing that we are created uniquely for is, again, to be an encouragement to one another. Right? My relationship with my wife, I get to encourage her in one way, but your relationship with her, you get to encourage her and point her towards Jesus in a whole other way. And so the point is this, we need each other. We need the uniqueness of our lives to be able to encourage and love one another. We get to serve each other in relationships. This is the thing that's unique is that in culture right now, it's like the, the phrase is, you know, if you want to come to know who you are, you, you have to um, strip away any authority, any relationships you have, and you have to kind of go out there and be your autonomous self. But when you read the scriptures, it tells us a different story. If you want to be yourself, if you want to know who God has created you to be, you want to be yourself, you need to die to yourself. 
Only when dying to yourself do you truly become who you were meant to be. Only by giving up your life do you find a life. I heard someone explain it like this. It's like, it's like kombucha. You guys had kombucha? It's like the $8 fungus drink that we're all paying to have. It is pretty good, though. Um, it's like kombucha. Like the, you got this fungus that's inside of this drink, right? And as this fungus is dying, it's shooting out probiotics. It's letting out goodness into the... It's like, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like fungus farts, which is... <laughs> I'm totally going to ruin this. Sorry. <laughs> I'm committed, though. Okay. So kombucha, as it's dying, it releases probiotics into the system. And these probiotics are good for the drink. They're good for our bodies, supposedly, right? In that same way, as you die to yourself in community, you release goodness into that community that is healing and loving. It's not going to work. I messed it up with the fungus farts. (laughs) I hope you got something out of that. Our final point is this. Gospel community is God's promise to us. This is important. Uh, as we create this DNA for us as a family, it's, it's not an ideal that we have to strive for. We're not, we're not asking the church family, we're not asking us to create this thing called gospel community. That's odd, right? We're, we're, like, we're not striving to make this. Because here's the thing. This thing, this God's family, his, his community, it's something that he died to make. In other words, gospel community, God's family is, is God's work. He is drawing us together, which is to say this. If you're not experiencing this type of community in your life and you, desire, you have a desire for it, it's readily available to you. It's here and now. It is God's promise to us. He's, he's died to provide for us this community. And all we get to do is just enter into it and enjoy it together. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.